Well, you want to come sit down and we'll yeah. talk about your planes a little bit? So this will be your first podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're here in Collinsville, Oklahoma. And how long have you lived here? Uh, since 42. 42. Yeah. And tell me about when you moved here. Well, we moved here. I was in, uh, I had eight, uh, six weeks ago in the eighth grade, and we moved down here from Topeka, Kansas, down here. My dad had a job out here when the war started. They mm-hmm. rendered Greece, you know, for the war effort. So that's how we ended up here in Collinsville. So well, they rented Greece? Yeah, they make, you know, they make munitions out of Greece. Mm-hmm. And back then, all what they use now, but... Uh, so it was a war effort thing. So you grew up here during high school? Yeah, I went through high school here, yeah. Yeah. Grade school in Topeka, and then we moved down here to high school, yeah. In 46, then I graduated. Yeah, so what did you do after you graduated? Well, uh, I just got, just kind of worked around here, and then uh, I went up to Topeka. My twin brother was working up there, and he said uh, he got a job, and I said no. So I went to work for Hallmark Cards. Oh. I worked for them for about, uh, I don't know, about three or four years, and then got drafted and during the Korean War. Yeah, how'd that draft process work? I don't know, I well on my third wedding anniversary. Right, because you'd already been married. <laughs> yeah. And I how many kids did you have? Didn't have any, that's the reason I got drafted. Oh. Because I had a twin brother that had a little girl, so he, he didn't get drafted. But if he didn't have any kids... And you was at that age, why? So you got the third, or your on your third anniversary, you got your draft notice. Mm-hmm. And then I rode to camp on my birthday. I really celebrated that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got you on your last two days of the year. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, that was kind of, that was right the, as the Korean War started. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got uh, got my draft notice, yeah, I was in, so it was in the mailbox, and I didn't open it. So uh, we, Mary and I went and drove to Kansas City, and I went down there and uh, tried to join the Air Force, you know, rather than go to the Marines, because they, they just have enough trouble over there in the Chosin Reservoir without me being over there. So. Right. <laughs> and so there were, there's, I think, 300 of us down there, and 26 of us made it into the, the Air Force. They give you a mental exam and stuff like that. So you passed the mental exam? Yeah, and so I, don't, <laughs> I rode uh I rode to camp on my birthday. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and then after that, you got stationed in Japan for a while. Yeah, well, I was an instructor down there, Shepard, in the in, uh, aircraft and power plant school. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you got anybody with over 18 months is going to be screened for overseas shipment. That was over to Korea. I had 18 months and two days left. So you got screened. So I got screened, yeah. Yeah. So. And you moved... Mary over there? Well, it was later on. I got transferred over there, and I found out later I was supposed to go on to Korea. And then we were supposed to go down to Indochina and work on the French. had B-26s down there. 
they was had their signals. They was uh, we were supposed to maintain them. Mm-hmm. But on the troop trip going over there, they we debarked at Yokohama, Japan, and they put us on a train. And twenty six hours later, we was cleared on the southernmost island. And oh. and so I never didn't make it to Korea, although we had two or three flights a day over there, pick up wounded and stuff like that. Right. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting experience. It wasn't too crazy about it then, but I still remember going through that train, went through Hiroshima, and it was still, you know, really bombed out and really devastated. Wow. Yeah, so. So I got down there, and about two weeks later, they said, you're going to Tachikawa, which is about 30 minutes from where we got on that train after riding it 26 hours. <laughs> so that's how I ended up over there. And then I found out, that I could get married over there, and, and uh, but I couldn't get base housing, so I rented a. She had to be there a year before they send her back, so uh, I went oh. and rented a house out in the boondocks from old Papasan. So what do you mean send her back? So she had well, to live. I mean to pay her way back. To pay her way back, but so she would have been stuck over there yeah, until, <laughs> and or I'd had to pay her way back. Oh yeah. So uh, anyway, I found this house out there, and and so. Mary came over. She was over there uh, 13 and a half months. So that she was over there a year. So mm-hmm. when I got discharged, well, then we shipped us back out. And you guys, had, you started having kids while you were over there, right? Well, we had my son. Uh, we had a uh, boy was already uh, born over there, but Patty was born over there. Right. But uh, my boldest boy, he was born at Shepherd Air Force Base when I was stationed down there. So he was real little when they went to Japan, and then on the way back, why well, uh, we had Patty just a few months before I returned home. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't you introduce your four kids? You had you have... got Stephen. Yeah, he was born down in Texas, and he's your oldest. Yeah, he's the oldest boy, and then Patty was was the second child. Mm-hmm. Then I got a whole lot of trouble. Boy David, <laughs> and then the youngest one was Bruce. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, Patty, she was the best daughter I had because there's only one I had. <laughs> uh, just leave it at that. Yeah, I had to be, <laughs> just stick to that story. She was the worst and the best. <laughs> yeah, that was, long, that was a long time ago. I was I was in there from 51 to 55. So. And then after that, you worked um, on airplanes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, when I got back, well, I was working on airplanes in Japan. That's what I was doing yeah. as an aircraft mechanic. So when I got back... And I was an instructor in the aircraft and must kind of our engine school down there with Shepard Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. After I got out of basic, they uh, assigned me to that schooling. So I was an instructor down there for a t- little over two years. And then they shipped us overseas. So I worked on the C-46s over there then. And that's how I got into the airplane business. So when I got back and got discharged, the military wouldn't give you a license for A&P license. That way you could get extra pay when you was working. And so I enrolled in the Spartan School of Aviation down there and got my NP license. Then I went to work for American Airlines. And that's how I got ended up down there doing yeah. that. And you stayed there until you retired. Yeah. yeah. I was there, what, 28 and a half years? 28 and a half years. Retired a little early? Well, they offered early retirement, and I took it. Yeah. End of 82. So I've been retired now, what, 34 35 years? A few years. Yeah. yeah. Retired longer than I worked. But they're still sending a check every month. That's not a bad deal. I, I think I beat the odds on that. 
Yeah. A lot of them said if you got to 65, you'd do about 10 and a half checks before you kicked the bucket or so. Sure, over double that. I've been going, what, well, let's see. <laughs> Three times. In this year, it'll be, what, 34 years? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I still haven't cleaned the garage yet. No, yeah, you were saying that. So yeah. we're sitting out here in Lawrence's garage where he makes all of his model airplanes. Um, and that the model airplanes kind of became a hobby. Did you start doing it when you were working or after you retired? Uh, well, kind of before. I always liked little model airplanes when I've grown up, you know. Mm-hmm. But I made these here solid models for weather vanes for the garage. I, yeah, that's how you started, right? You yeah. said you would make make weather vanes. Yeah, put them up in the... They'd turn into the wind, and the propeller would spin, you know, with the wind. And mm-hmm. and then so I, somebody after later on, they wanted them. They said, well, don't make them so big so I could sit on my desk. Right. And that's why the early ones I made were big enough where you could see a little bit sitting up in the garage, you know. And when you make these, you actually find the blueprints, and you scale them down. So yeah, they're I, made to scale, or, you know, yeah, scale down. Yeah, I ordered a book of uh, three-dimensional view drawings of them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I would draw me out a grid and make it whatever size people wanted. But you, that kept it in scale. And then I found out later that you go down to the office depot in about 30 seconds. Yeah. Because you were hand drawing all Oh, this. yeah. It would take me a couple of days. I'd draw me out a grid. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd, I'd keep it to scale, but I enlarged it to whatever size I wanted to. And then I found out. Office Depot do that with a machine, just like that. You know? Save you a couple of days. Oh boy, and then a lot more detail too. You know, I've got still got some plans in there that I had hand drawn, but I've had to draw me out a grid, and then you know, blend it in with the actual mm-hmm. drawing that I had to enlarge it. Yeah. So you get your plans, and then um, what are the first steps that you take to to making these models? Well, I just got, I just used, I tried to find some wood, you know, a, like a 2 by 6 or 2 by 12, big enough where you'd get the dihedral on the wings. Mm-hmm. And then I just get some block wood and this kind of draw me out a pattern and put it on there and draw out the scale and then cut it out and start whittling. Yeah. yeah and you kind of just use any wood you can get. All I've got, of. well, you got it. I had some rough cedar, but there's a lot of knots in it. You can't work around them. And I found out that if you find a, go to check the lumber yard every once in a while, you'd find a pine, soft pine that didn't have a lot of knots in it. So I'd buy up some of those blocks. Right. You want you want a piece of wood that doesn't have a ton of knots in it. Yeah, it's and it's pretty straight and, grain mm-hmm. and not too hard of wood. And so you know, like balls of wood's too soft, but a basswood is real straight grain. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty pretty easy to work with. Is it hard to come by basswood unless you go buy it? Oh, yeah, it's expensive, I tell you. Mm-hmm. This friend of mine, his friend goes to Canada every year, and they got a lot of basswood up there. So he said, I'll bring you some back. Well, he brought it back, real nice wood, and it's good straight grain. It's fairly soft. But it left laying too long, and insects got to it. Oh, no. I'd get my fuselage all made or something, and then I'd sand off a rough place, and pretty soon... You could take a pencil and stick it, yeah. clear it down that cavity where bugs had been in it. Were you able to salvage that? Or you no, I finally just uh, let my son burn it. Yeah, here's some more firewood. <laughs> so, uh, and I just kind of had found some block of wood, pretty straight grain, and just 
some that say too hard, and some of them took a little more whittling and sanding and stuff like that mm-hmm. to get done. Yeah, it it was it kind of gives you something to do, and I was interested in it. That means the difference. Yeah, and you make all sorts of puns. Yeah, mm-hmm. I ever I try to make a different kind each time. So I've made I must have made, uh, gosh, fifty different types. Of yeah, you're puns. up into one hundred thirty plus. Planes now, are you? 130. I think that last one was a 136 one I made. 136. Yeah, I got quite a pile of sawdust. Yeah. And they're starting to get all over the country. I mean, you have some up in uh, Montana and Idaho. and Yeah, there's a Belger Cartage there in Kansas City. He said he had a 10 story building. He said, I've got a, in my offices up there, I've got a couple of them per floor. He wanted yeah. me to make them. And, and so I said, well, they won't be real, they'll be to scale, but they're not real detailed. He said, that's just what I want, somebody that's made something in their garage and, mm-hmm. and a one-of-a-kind. Because huh. you'll get pretty creative, not only with the scrap wood that you come across, but all the uh, parts you need for the small engines or the propellers or the lights. And Yeah, I just use kind of stuff that, uh, you know, just scraps of pieces around there, you know, like... Uh, I don't know. I'm just as an example. It's just like the windshield. You cut that out of a bottle of a tin can where it's shiny, and you can oh, bend yeah. it to whatever you need. And then the, for the cockpit, the slides, you can just use a piece of plastic. It's kind of improvised. Yeah. Well, I've seen you use like ballpoint pin tips. Yeah, that was for like the propeller the hubs. Propeller. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's kind of a well, and the different wheels. You know, some of the older models had different wheels. I can kind of scrape up stuff for that and then you go with these little trinket shops and get little things like for the headlights or landing lights and just stuff like that that mm-hmm. just use what you got have you made one that you've kept for yourself or you basically give most of them away or sell them well i'd be smoky just sell them but now like them there's just one two there's there's what four of them hanging in well here's i made this and the other i had a piece of wood about that size so i just made it so there's like there's so what's five. that one we're looking at there? That's a P-40 Warhawk. In the, and the, that was flown in World War II? Yeah, and when, you know the Flying Tigers over in Burma during the first part of the war? They that they had that tiger tooth on them. And the Chenault's Air Force fought the Chinese over there you know, before, the war, before we entered the war. They called them the volunteer over there, and they, they helped the Chinese fight the Japanese. Oh. And they had those... Flying Tigers, they called them. It was P-40s. And so I I had a scrap of wood about that size here a couple of weeks ago, so I went ahead and made that, and I cut out some decals and put the... Put so this, this is a, a new, the newest one you've made. Yeah, I just... This is really not all that detail. I thought I was just using what scraps I had. and But it it, uh, it didn't turn out too bad. So, And what I do on these, when I make them... For the end number, I used the dates. Made that there. Finished it on the eighth month, the thirtieth day on 2018. So you kind of do a, a date stamp to yeah, it. Yeah, and that kind of pegs them when you've done them. Yeah. You can kind of date them that way, and it's still is authentic enough that that's an ID number. You know, like uh, that yellow one hanging there. I made that in 2015 on November. Oh, okay, so N two zero one five S. Yeah, the the t- twenty fifteen is two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. 
and then just the S on there for the ninth. Now that's an. Is that the ambulance? No. Which one's that? No, this is just a little sports plane there. Ah, uh, the ambulance. I I give that to. There's a guy from. Um, what do they call it? It wasn't. Uh, wasn't Civil Air Patrol. It was an arm. Armed force or something over in Vietnam. It was retired. Yeah, Air he was Force. retired, but and now he's with the Civil Air Patrol. Mm-hmm. And uh, see that one up there with the red stripe on the wing? Okay, yeah. That's Civil Air Patrol. Pattern. And all their planes are painted that. And each one that goes to a private guy who furnish them, they put his end number on it. Let's see on the fuselage there. So the, you've made a few of those for I've guys made, when uh, they get out I've of there. I've made that. 10 of them now for them as the guys retire. Yeah. They want to know if I would make them an airplane with their end number, and then they'd present it to them at their retirement ceremony. And I said, yeah, I could do that. So so he calls me every once in a while. And, but lately he hasn't been there. I guess they're not retiring anymore. They're all retired, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but it was it turned out pretty nice. I thought I'd get the jump on them and paint it like that one there with the red stripes on the wing. Mm-hmm. Well, the later ones, that red stripe is at a, at a chevron shape. So oh. I had that thing already painted, so I had to scrape it down and strip it and, and paint the proper stripe on it. Right, so the, new, the newer airplane. I thought I'd get ahead of him and jump, but I didn't. I got too far ahead, and I had to redo <laughs> it. <laughs> and these get this plane right here. There's some guys over here at Guthrie. They bought a restoring an old B-26, which was all they drab, and they're cleaning it all up, and they're painting it that. And so I made that for them, and I haven't. They're supposed to let me know about the proper numbers on it, so I haven't heard of them. But it's taken them over two years. They're still working on it to restore it. Oh, wow. To fly it, but that's what it's going to be, one of those. Yeah, so, I mean, you retired. You kind of started doing this uh, quite a bit for a hobby, but you worked um, with a friend doing Yeah, we, we, uh, we upholster airplanes over there. Yeah, so you worked on a bunch of different other planes refinishing oh, yeah. the inside. They're uh, all, you know, just kind of small private planes, basically. Looks like Dave's showing up. Yeah, <laughs> Dave, about time for him to arrive. Yeah, I got started after we um, got out. He, he retired from American, too. He retired a long time after I did, but he got started reupholstering airplanes for Spartan aircraft. Mm-hmm. You know, this ones like that there I showed you earlier then. So we did a hey Dave. We did a bunch of them. And uh oh I'd say Alex. Hey Dave. We're doing a podcast. We're recording and uh Lawrence is telling me about his airplane remodeling and all that stuff. Yeah, through the years we but with Spartan we must have done I'll bet you thirty or forty of their airplane we did the interior. That's what he did. He did the upholstery work. Right. His daughter would do the sign of the sewing, and we'd do the stripping and installing and stuff. And so, and that was that biplane I was showing you before. The Spartan had. They started out in 1928. That was their first airplane. So I made him a model of that. And then I, that was the one I showed you all ago. It had the real airplane, and then the other one above it. So we redone that thing. We towed that. From over there west of Tulsa, back to his hangar, we towed him by the backwards with the wings off, and we had all kinds of people looking at us. Yeah, so t- so you guys um, were asked to reef. Yeah, we stripped it down and cleaned it all up and put 
them all the new fabric on the fuselage and the wings. And yeah, but to get it there, you guys had to put it on a trailer and, and well, no, tow it. we towed it. We just hooked. Oh, the, you had just on the wheels. We hooked the tail wheel to his trailer hitch, and then we just towed it backwards all, all the way from over there. And I remember, if you got over thirty miles an hour, that thing could get the speed wobbles, get the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we had quite a traffic jam behind us. Time we got home. Yeah, I imagine so. you had a bunch of people and wondering. They had real doing. curious. Where they going with that airplane fuselage? Of course, we and we had the wings hauled them earlier on the trailer because yeah. the wings were off of it naturally. So we stripped that down and put all new fabric on it and. Then and then put it, got it all ready and towed it back over there. And, and then they put the wings and stuff on it. Now they fly it every once in a while. So, well, so they're still flying it. Yeah, it's kind of a promote for the school, you know, Spartan School of Aeronautics is the name of them. They've been around forever. Mm-hmm. During the war, when we first come down here, out here west of town, they had a bunch of PT-19 little low-wing Fairchild trainers, and they were training pilots for the war effort. And there, sometimes there'd be eight and ten of them things in the air out there. They had a little auxiliary field. And yeah. Every once in a while, they'd pile one up, and we'd go out there and get some of the pieces. And they were made out of kind of plywood covered. So they'd so, crash them? So you... Yeah, all those students, you know, learned yeah. to fly. Some of them didn't quite <laughs> fly that great. <laughs> so I had a couple of pictures, well, in that book in there of the, of the old PT-19 with it. So, yeah. Yeah, there was uh, quite a bit of aviation here. Well, that American, when I worked down there, when he first come down here, they were uh, building B-24s for for the war efforts. And they made the Douglas Dauntless dive bombers for the war effort, and, and they made some of these B-26s toward the last down there. And there by American's hangar, they had a bunch of CB-24 four-engine bomber, but they were converted to transports mm-hmm. and made... We had uh, painted British markings on them, and they would land leased to Britain for to use during the war. You know. And you worked on those? Well, uh, no, not just later, but they was they was using the, the ramp around America down there, storm okay. before they shipped them out. There's quite a bit of aviation history down here in Tulsa for about the war effort. Yeah, so when you moved back. You, you didn't really have a question what you're going into. You were going to stick with aviation, and, and, yeah, and since, that since allowed I, you to live back back home, basically. Yeah, since I did in the service, why? And then, uh, well, I moved to Topeka, and we, we, Mary and I lived up there about three years when we got married. I was working for Hallmark Cards, running a cutting machine for them. Yeah, so how far is Topeka from here? 200 miles. 200 miles. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, I was working there when I got my draft notice, so then naturally went to the Air Force, and then when I got out, naturally I didn't go back to Hallmark Cards. I, yeah, I stayed, stayed fixing planes. Yeah, and, I went to Spartan School down there and got my A&P license and mm-hmm. then went to work for America. Yeah, and recently you t- you took a trip up to D.C. Yeah, for the veterans deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, so describe that when what, what it was. <clears throat> well, I applied for that about two or three years ago, and then... They, they took veterans and with a sponsor up there and give them a tour, a day's tour of Washington, D.C. And so uh, then when I applied for it, they said they was already booked up and there wouldn't be any more. So then about two years later, they had one, but it was going out of Arkansas. And I didn't want to go over there and 
And then here, when Patty was here last year, there was something in the paper about there was going to originate some new flights to Washington, D.C. And so she put submitted my name for it. <laughs> yeah. And then they so uh, an, uh, they notified me that uh, I'd been accepted to go on that trip. So since I was in the Korean War effort, they had World War II, which there's only two or three guys left for that. And there was a few of us from the Korean, and then the rest of them were like from Vietnam and Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. But there was, I think, how many did they say there was? 60 veterans, I think. So they, uh, they notify you that you uh, are accepted to go on this trip. Yeah, I've been accepted, yeah. And then you you meet down at the airport here. Just well, north. they sent out letters finally about uh, two or three months later. We applied for it in September, no, in uh, June, I guess it was. And then the flight was to go on the 11th of October. And so then they notified me about that and that I'd been accepted for the flight. So then we went down there, the, what the schedule was, we went down there to the Hard Rock Casino. Everybody met there and they put you up for the night and fed you that night and had a little meeting about what you was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, he stayed there at the hotel that night, and 4 o'clock the next morning, he went to the airport and then flew to D.C. Yeah, and so you fly that morning to D.C., and then your whole day is pretty well filled up. We got up there, of course, the time changed. We got up there about 10.30 or something, and then they gave us a little. There were three buses of us, kind of toured Washington, D.C., the highlights and this and that. And then they parked out there, and then you went through the all the memorials up there. Mm-hmm. And that took most of the day. And then that night, well, you went back out to the airport and they flew you home. And then they had a welcoming committee down there at the, at the airport. As mm-hmm. you came in, everybody was cheering and clapping. And yeah, and so th- did, did they send you off like that or just when you came back? They Just had, when we came back, yeah. yeah. So when you were there, you got to see like the honor guard or the color. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was. we had the whole the changing of the guard. And, changing of the guard. Yeah, and... And they went down the reflecting pool and went to all of the military museums, you know, the Naval and the Marines and the Army. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pretty well-organized trip. Each one of us had a sponsor, an right. escort, I guess it was. So. And your escort was uh, taking a bunch of photos. Yeah, she took a bunch of them things, and yeah. then she gave them to me after, afterwards. So it made it quite a little, quite a little group of pictures she had. Yeah. Yeah, but all in all, it was it was really more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But we had beautiful weather, and a friend of mine went on one about two years before. Hell, it rained on him every day, and it was cold, and so we hit. So it you just, lucked out. We hit it just right. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Huh. You get back, and they had a, a just a. Well, we saw the news clip. Yeah, they had a bunch of people there when we returned. They was throwing confetti and yeah. cheering and. <laughs> Here you'd been up since three thirty that morning. Yeah, you were on the news a few times. You were famous for a moment. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I see any of them where I was on it, but somehow or somebody was on the right TV station to to televise it or to record it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look at that in there that Bruce and Ellen brought over. Yeah, I think what Ellen did is that uh, she caught the first news station, uh-huh. and then she realized that it was going to be on all day, so she took her. Huh. recorder and she set it up to where she would record every news channel and then she went and 
cut out the spots for that story and put yeah, it that's in quite well. You know, I watch it. They said it's going to be on, but the channel I gave it, I watched. There was a reporter along with us, some young gal, with Channel Eight, ABC, mm -hmm. and she was there all day long doing this filming. So I thought, well, I'll watch Channel Eight. But the only time they showed it on Channel Eight was like the dignitaries and this and that that they were meeting. Mm -hmm. And they could see people in the background that had these red shirts on like we had. But as far as actual, kind of identify who was who. But I guess on these other channels at Ellen, she must have did a lot of channel hopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think she had a program where it did it for her. So oh. She didn't have to sit there and oh, watch I it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Wait, had, so you... I'll have to look at that. You served and your oldest brother served? Yeah, my oldest brother got drafted before the war ever started in oh. 41. He was one of them dealers where they drew a name out of the jar, made all the thing, and his name happened to be one. He went and he got drafted in June of 41. Well, the war didn't start till December. And this is the um, Korean? No, war? this is World War Two. This is World War Two. Yeah. And then brother just younger than him, my brother Ted, he had some information of Walsery's heart. He got rejected. But then the Ed, brother just under him, which we'll see today, he got drafted when he was 18, and he was a tail gunner on a fortress. Right. And he, he's the one who made 35 missions over there. So hopefully he'll be here to make it here this afternoon. I think he's going to join us. So for everyone that's listening, uh, we're celebrating... Uh, Lawrence's 90th birthday. Yeah, 9 yeah. Yeah, when do you turn? It's not today, but it's a couple days from now. Yeah, it's, it's a day after Thanksgiving. Well, normally day after Thanksgiving, 28th. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all down here for Thanksgiving, we thought it'd be a good idea to, I don't know, well, we I don't know if we're going to be able to light all those candles. Well, the fire, fire marshal won't let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to have a fire team standing yeah, by. Yeah, we'll have a fire truck standing by out there. Yeah. Clean out all the local stores. They don't have any candles left. <laughs> Get one big candle out there. So yeah, I, I guess Patty's probably got something like that cooked up. She's been pretty secretive about it to me, anyway. She's yeah, she's kind of got veiled hints and threats or something. So I figured something's going to take place there. Those girls, they try to be sneaky, but they're. <laughs> Sometimes it's pretty they, easy they to They let it slip out. up once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You can they get too out. excited. You can't hold a secret for too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody's ever baked me a cake like that for just a regular old birthday. So, Yeah, I would say 90's not just a regular old birthday. I guess not. It don't seem like, I don't seem like it's 90 to me, but sometimes when I see these pictures we had in D.C. that I'm looking about 90, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, we... For 90, we went out um, and tried to find a couple squirrels a couple oh, yeah. days ago. I came down here and got my small game license, and we went out walking in the woods looking for squirrels and didn't have any luck. No. They seen you coming. Seen me coming. <laughs> no, didn't want anything to do with us, so we did a little walk. and You had good weather, though. Yeah, it's been nice down yeah. here. It's starting to get a little cool. It's cool. going to get nippy. Now, this podcast is supposed to be somewhat based around hunting and fishing, so if you if you dig, if you uh, dig back, what, what's, what's some of the earliest hunting or fishing memories you have? 
Well, I remember during the war, there was a, a meat shortage naturally and sugar shortages like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd go out kind of hunting during the day. I got me a twenty-two and killed a bunch of rabbits. And my brother Leonard, he'd go night hunting, road oh. hunting, you know. And so during the war, I basically we wasn't meatless by any means. So when you say meat shortage, was it was it rationed? Oh yeah, that was yeah, rationed. So sugar, you only had so much. Yeah, sugar was rationed and meat was rationed. And yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, gasoline was rationed, and, and your speed limit was definitely rationed on your car. Oh, they they reduced the speed limit. Oh yeah, to to make you save gas. And yeah, that was getting better gas mileage on that. Wow. I think it was fifty five though for the Sebastian you was allowed to go during the war. Well, then there wasn't a whole lot of cars, you know. Mm. The latest model car around was like a forty two Ford or Mercury, and then they the rest of the vehicles went to the military. Oh, and then after the war, when we got married, we got married in forty forty eight. So we put in for a new Chevy there in Topeka, and there was a big, long waiting list. And so we we didn't have a car for six months. We rode the bus and this thing. So some old preacher had her had a two-door Oldsmobile, 47 Oldsmobile, and he needed a four-door for funerals. So I bought that Oldsmobile. And then I kept waiting for this Chevrolet dealer to call us. And so I called them, and they said, no, when we... Check the motor vehicle regulation. If if you bought a car, we took you off the list. I mean, there was that. Oh, so they yeah. If you had a car, they were not going to sell you. They one. weren't going to sell you one because there's just car shortage, you know. Yeah. Other people want cars, so. Well, it's not like that today. Oh man. <laughs> Holy cow! They're trying to push you off the lot with the car each yeah. time you walk on there. And each car lot's got about two hundred cars sitting there, weren't? All I'm getting on the road, no wonder there's traps and jams. Yeah, so there was a six-month waiting list to purchase a new car. Hmm. That was that what you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah, back then, yeah, at least that. Yeah, you had to get on the waiting list. And so when the, the new Chevys were coming out, I, well, I told Mary, let's put in for one of them then. In the meantime, we just rode the bus mm-hmm. or walked to work. So, And now, the hell, the... Car lots are full of brand new cars, and the kids are driving them. Yeah, well, you knew you've hung on to some of your earliest cars, right? Yeah, they're still got still in the sixties. Still in the sixties, can't get out of the sixties. Yeah, can't get, break it into the seventies yet. <laughs> so, what's your truck you have set out here, and and then your car next to me? Well, I got that that truck. My neighbor over here bought that truck, and then he didn't like it. He wanted to get something else. And uh, that was in 66, and so I went down to get, see about getting a new Chevy pickup, and I like the looks of that 66 better than the 67s, and so I mentioned that to my neighbor, and he said, well, I'm going to sell this thing. I've just had it eight months. And I said, what do you want for it? And he, I told me $1,800. That's what a new one cost back then. And I said, well, I'll take it. So I've been driving it ever since. You did something interesting with the back of this. You made a camper. Yeah, we made that uh, camper shell out of a, well, it was a old scrap storefront material. My brother Ed, he was a glazier, and they put up storefronts. And he had some, I'd say, tube of, tube of five aluminum tubing. It mm-hmm. goes around your frames on the front of these window, storefront windows. So he had some of that scrap. So we made the frame out of that, and I went to the trailer place and bought the metal for the roof and went to damaged freight and bought the windows 
Yeah. And so, so we made that camper then for. It's like a topper. Yeah. yeah. You guys use that for a camper. Well, it's just still on there. Yeah. Yeah, we camped in that for years and years. You and the and Mary and the four kids. Yeah, and the and... kids. We'd go camping. Well, we went to New Mexico one year, in, and the kids slept in the back. And I remember, you know, they, I had the, I had some little intercoms back then. Mm-hmm. We had I hung one in the back and put the wires up front so we could talk back and forth. So they did they ride back there? Yeah, we I had a platform made back <laughs> there in a mattress. Yeah. So the kids all rode back there, and one of them would ride up front with us. And then uh, they wanted a notepad when they said, oh, we want something to eat or something, they'd write a note and they hold it up to the, the window. window. <laughs> and uh, so I told Mary, we just need one little pad, and we write a no on it. <laughs> and put that up. <laughs> just leave it up there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we used that for camping for years, and it's still on there. You know, still people's come and ask me, where'd you get that? I'd like to have one. I said, well, I made that thing about back in the 60s. So. Yeah, it looks professional. It looks <laughs> like you went and bought it. It was, uh, my brother Ed had made him one, but he had kind of straight box type and a little higher. And I thought, yeah, so we tapered the size of it so it blended in more with the, with the pickup. And, yeah, you match the body line, yeah. and then you rolled over the top. Yeah, so it, it, it's, a, it's worked out great. Yeah. It's amazing how it preserves those old wooden floorboards on the pickup, you know, how they used to rot and everything. Oh, they're still wooden this floorboards. This has been there. covered all this time. So it so. saved your original yeah. floor. I've had a lot of people wanting to buy that thing, and, and I said, now well, I'm trying to wear it out. Yeah, it has not worn out. Why would yeah. you sell it? <laughs> I only got about, I got close to 300,000 miles on it, I guess. Oh, uh, it's just so, broken. Yeah, just kidding. Well, I overhauled it once, mm. and the rest of the time it's been. Now, that thing there, it's got about 180,000 on it. Mary's aunt and uncle had that, and then when they died, and I said, so David bought it, and David didn't want a big old four-door, so I said, well, I'll, I'll take it, Dave. Mm-hmm. So we've been driving it now for 30-some years or more. Original tires, or how many sets of Oh, tires? no, I put a set of tires on that <laughs> a couple years ago. Yeah. But it keeps it running. That doesn't look too bad yet. I had my nephew up in Topeka painted about seven or eight years ago, and, and he painted my pickup, well, about... 20 years ago, he put that Emron paint on, and you can't get that anymore. It's too toxic or something. But that thing, I've had waxed that thing maybe twice in the last 20 years. And it yeah, it looks still like it's brand still. Yeah, I've had a lot of people stop me and wanting to buy it, and I said, no, I'm trying to wear it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't trade vehicles very very often. No. Having trouble getting out of the 60s. Well, I think the, you have one vehicle that's up in Sandpoint now. Yeah, that, that old uh, 63 Ford Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I've had that, and good gosh, probably about 40, 50 years or more. And originally it was Patty's. She went, She uh, took care of this uh, John Fisher's friend of mine. It was his parents. They lived in a trailer down there. And the old man had cancer, and Patty would drive him to Tulsa for his cancer treatments, and they'd go down there in that Falcon. And so then when he died, well, uh, his wife didn't drive, and uh, this friend of mine, his son wanted it, but he was only 14. Oh. 
And so they you know, just sat there. And I said, well, if you want to sell it, I'll buy it. Patty needs a car to go to college in. So I, I bought it off them for, what was it, $300 or something. So did she take that all the way to Bozeman? Yeah. No, that? no, it was up Miami, Oklahoma. But she went to oh. junior college up there. and Before she went on It's to kind her. of funny. Her and even Dave and them took their driver's test in that thing years ago. Mm. So we've had it a long time. Yeah. So. And so now it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I rode in the parade with her up there on the, at Sandpoint. Yeah, yeah, so what is that parade? It's a... It's, what was it? They have it every year, I guess. Hot Rod Show. Or... Yeah. There was, uh, what did she say? Is it? Um... There was a few hundred cars in it. There was a yeah. bunch of them. I remember we ran across old Dennis. He was on one corner. And Trying to take a picture and probably and A little bit later, we seen him down in another box. He'd run down there as we went by. He was supposed to take a picture. You've been up to that car show a few times. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they got some pictures of Patty and I. Then I stuck, we were, as we were driving by, I had the window down this way. And you know, all, all the cars up there, that was the only Falcon I've seen in that thing. The only one? It's a, it was a Futura, you know, a two-door hardtop. It wasn't just a regular old Falcon. They call it a Futura. Oh. And it had the, kind of the top on it and beautiful inside. The dash, it was kind of cracked. It was slid. So I took it off. Going to try to repair it down there at my friend's shop and, Man, underneath that thing was just like new. It was bright red, so I just left it off and shined it up. And left it how it was. And we put some new seat covers on it and made them down there in the shop. And, and so Patty always wanted That was her car. She wanted it, so she's got it now. And they got that cover on it and everything there yeah, in the garage. Yeah, it sits inside and, and they take it out and the, when you come up. The only thing I ever did was just park it out here in the carport. That's the reason I built that double carport. It was to uh, keep the vehicles in. So you built the, the carport. Did you build your shop here? Yeah, you? we built this garage. We after moved in. Our, I said, man, we need a garage. I had that carport on the house, which is a den now. Mm-hmm. So we just made it into a room. And so uh, so I built this garage out here then. And and that was the best thing that I've used the heck out of it. Yeah. I built this in, what was it, 50, 57? So it's getting pretty old. You've created a lot of sawdust in here. Oh, I bet you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of that alley is sawdust out there. It's from you sweeping up there. That's where I throw it out there. What's your next uh, plane you think you're going to make? Well, I don't know. Uh, this one guy called. He said he wanted me to make a, he's got a little, uh, it isn't an ultralight. It's some real old one that. I said, well, give me your plans, and I can enlarge them whatever size you want that I can make them for them. So he said, well, I'll get with you one of these days. And this has been about a month ago. I haven't heard from you yet. But, yeah. But it's something to do in the you know, wintertime, and, and I don't mind doing it. If it was a job, you probably wouldn't want to do it. But. Right. Yeah, you have a tough time selling them sometimes. You go, you got to give them away. Well, yeah, they, they accumulate. <laughs> and so, well, after a hundred and... 136 of them, that's 136 one. You'd have a bunch of little planes sitting around here. Yeah, you'd run out of room here for sure. <laughs> so, I've been donating a couple every year to they have a bazaar at their church and then they wouldn't know if they had something you could donate to sell. I said, yeah, I'd give you a couple airplanes each year. 
They do pretty good with those, don't they? I think they usually run, they go for about $150 one day. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a, people get to bidding on one another. This kid sees it and he wants an airplane. Yeah. So to get it, then they get to bidding amongst themselves. And so, yeah, I get a card sometime after the bazaar. The parents will thank me for the kid really enjoyed the airplane. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, give something to do. Yeah. And they can make a little money off of it. I think on top of the uh, the date stamp, you need to start putting your initials on them. Yeah. <laughs> so we can track them down someday. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get to, I get to thinking about it. Well, like all these books, most of them are each one's an individual airplane, and then pictures underneath, that's all pictures of mud, those I've made. So. Yeah, you have books upon books of these through the, airplanes. That through the made. years, they're quite a cute. I try to make a, you know, get a picture of each one yeah. for just kind of record. And I can go to a model shop, see them fill packages with insignias on them. I oh, can, kind of get some... I can buy those decals now, and then I can stick them on there. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me about this. I'm glad that we sat down and you told yeah. some of the stories, and then we'll uh, about ready to go, go celebrate your birthday and have some cake. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I hope they don't go through all this trouble. I, I don't think so. I, I, I told them well, they can do it for Jessica because her birthday's two <laughs> days ahead of mine. Or for your birthday for Jessica. And then my brother Ed, he just had one, uh, what, 30th of October, so we'll just incorporate that in this deal. Patty's baking him a cake in there. Oh, she is? Yeah. Or yeah, she's, she's got been working, egg, yeah. working away on cakes yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And then she was writing it. Writing his name and stuff on a while ago with some kind of a green stuff. She's, she's been a good girl, you know what? I tell you. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder, you know, about this deal since Mary passed away, that she's she spent a lot more time than, than the boys who are right here, other than Steve down back Texas. Yeah, she does like coming down here, I know, and she likes to make sure that you're still yeah, I don't behaving, want... and I think she... She tries to make sure you're out of trouble is what's going on. I don't think I've ever been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told her she's the best daughter I ever had. Well. Because she's the only one, I guess. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's been a pretty good run, really. Yeah, I'm excited to go eat some of that cake and meet some more of your, your yeah, Oki friends down here. I don't know how many people are really going to show in being at a holiday time like this, they've got families to go to and do things mm-hmm. with. But there'll be a few people there that ex enemies. Ex enemies? <laughs> 90 years worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we can kind of wrap it up there. If you guys are listening, we appreciate it. Um, you can follow us on, on Instagram at Blindcast1. You can go to the website at nwblindcast.com. And then to listen to this, uh, we got multiple platforms up, so we appreciate you tuning in. And uh, thank you for joining me, Lawrence, and appreciate you sitting down and telling us about your planes. Yeah, you might have to edit this thing. And oh, no, we're going to leave it just Bleed some of that stuff. So. <laughs> well, you didn't cuss too much. Oh, okay. so. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed another episode of Blindcast. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Blindcast1. Again, that's Blindcast1 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and hope you tune in next time for another Cast from the Blind.